the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. It's going to be the lightning round. This hour is going to be the lightning round. There's so many topics to cover and so many things that are happening that we have to talk about today. Leading most of the newscasts today, you're going to hear this this latest bit of news that the Donald Trump Jr. meeting from uh, June of 2016 now included other people aside from the Russian lawyer and uh, Jared Kushner and Paul Manafort and Don Jr., now we know there may have been as many as four other people in this meeting, including a Russian lobbyist who had um, intel ties and a translator and uh, Goldstone and another person. So when are we going to get the truth? Seriously, I want to give the Trump administration the benefit of the doubt, but you're kind of hurting us. You're really hurting us. Glenn Beck, two days ago, Glenn Beck came out with a really solid explanation of what Donald Trump should do. Were he Donald Trump on this? And now this seems to undercut and undermine. And and we're hearing the Associated Press has confirmed that this Russian lobbyist with the intelligence ties was at the meeting. Now, was this because, and let's just put this in your head. Was this because the Russians suspected this might be a setup to get the FBI involved in this meeting? Does this mean the Russians were, were out to do something? They were trying to mess with the Trump campaign, but they also wanted to, wanted to see if, uh, if this was a sting. I just wonder. See, the Russians have been involved in in this kind of activity forever and ever and ever, including back when we called them the Soviets, because Russia was the epicenter of communism with the Union of Soviet Socialists Republic, with all of the all of the other countries that they had swirled around and sucked into the vortex of communism. And it was back in 1960 when Nikita Khrushchev, the guy who was the Soviet premier, he wanted John F. Kennedy to be president because Nixon would have been a little too difficult, a little too difficult. And uh, they reportedly sent operatives from the Soviet Union to try and contact the Kennedy campaign. Khrushchev came to believe that apparently... Any candidate would be better than Nixon. Anybody. A blender would have been better than Nixon. And Khrushchev and and Nixon had already had a confrontation. And uh, the, the, the KGB followed the election very closely. And according to a report from Katie O'Reilly at Time, the KGB sent an agent to try and reach out to the Kennedy campaign. The campaign kind of blocked it. And so um, apparently Nikita Khrushchev decided that when Nixon tried to negotiate for the release of two captured U.S. pilots, he was shoved aside. And then finally, when Kennedy won 
and Khrushchev met him for the very first time, Khrushchev basically claimed credit for this, telling Kennedy, quote, we voted for you, close quote. So it's not the first time. The Soviets have a history of this, and, and you know, we do too. We've been involved in stuff like this forever and ever and ever. We always want to get our friends elected. We always want to get the people who will be sympathetic or empathetic or cooperative with the U.S. agenda into office, into positions of power so that we can get our, uh, our agenda moved forward and help them. So it's nothing new, but the fact that this now has expanded and what we thought was a meeting with four people in it is now eight people, it's a little disturbing and a little, a little unsettling for me. I really want this president to succeed because I want the agenda of conservatives to continue. If there's another Supreme Court retirement, which hopefully there will be at least one, it would be great to have a conservative added to the court, another conservative added to the court. But do you think they're going to give Donald Trump an easy pass? If another, the Senate's going to be, the, the Democrats are going to be just tough as hell. They're already salivating over this one. So very frustrating, very irritating, very disturbing. I'm, I'm not happy about it. I'm really not happy about it. So uh, we'll, keep, we'll keep watching this. We'll keep an eye on it. Uh, next week, I assume we're going to have Donald Jr. testifying in front of some of the intelligence hearings. And I'm sure um, Robert Mueller is digging in deep. Digging in deep uh, in, on this whole story now, too. So it, this is going to go on forever. Maybe we all need to take under advisement, what Glenn Beck said this morning and get everybody to call your representatives and your senators and say, get to work. I want a tax cut. And you need to do it in red states because I'm here in a very blue state. And if I call Chris Coons and Carper and Lisa Blunt Richardson and say, cut my taxes, they're going to laugh. So I need you guys in your red states to take care of business. Now, speaking of taking care of business, we talked, we talked earlier this week about California, and I railed against California. Yes, something new, I know, me railing against California. But uh, this one covers a lot of different states and a lot of different places. And this is, again, a, um, a little bit of data about where we're putting our money and what priorities we're, we're actually highlighting. Because you put your money where your mouth is. You put your money where your priorities are. And in the case of, of public universities, there are positions that are, are taking money and I think they're being uh, overpaid. Let's just put it that way. There, there are professors, according to a 2016 report by the American Association of University Professors, the average professor all across the country earns just under $80,000 a year. Decent living, right? Rutgers University, the um, vice chancellor to the Office of Diversity and Inclusion, 
is a guy named Jorge Scament. Now, what do, you, what do you think? What do you think he's making? The vice chancellor to the Office of Diversity and Inclusion. He's not teaching anyone. He's the vice chancellor to the Office of Diversity and Inclusion. Sounds like a Soviet-era position. Sounds like a BS job, doesn't it? Oh, I'm in charge of diversity and inclusion. I make sure we have safe spaces. That's not exactly part of his job title. But the, let, me, let me just let you speculate. In 2016, the faculty at Rutgers made less than $50,000 a year. Most of the faculty at Rutgers University earned less than $50,000 a year. The, the tenured professors at Rutgers made more. They made $121,000 a year. So they did okay. If you're a tenured professor at Rutgers, you're making one dollars grand a year. Pretty good, right? Pretty good for a gig that you don't work 12 months out of the year. Not a bad job. And especially as a tenured professor, you can't get fired. You know, you pretty much have to shoot the Pope live on TV to get fired from a tenured professor position. And even then, I, I, I don't think it's slam dunk. But the, the gentleman, Jorge Scament, the vice chancellor of the Office of Diversity and Inclusion, in 2016, he was paid $253,262. How about that, Right? The Office of Diversity and Inclusion pays more than double what a tenured professor averages at Rutgers University. Do we, do we really think this is money well spent? Do we, do we really believe that? There's a, a new study out, and I have to give credit to the Daily Caller for putting the stats together on this, 43 of America's top public universities, salaries at 43 of America's top public universities finds that the, the diversity administrators, in other words, the people who have Dr. Dr. Scament's job or Vice Chancellor Scament's job, diversity administrators, they are paid at least $100,000 a year, and there are many that actually go beyond three hundred grand a year. The average salary of somebody who holds down the role of a diversity administrator, I want you to wrap your head around this. We're not talking about making sure somebody actually studies. We're not talking about teaching critical thinking. We're talking about the, the minister of safe spaces, as it were. The average salary is $175,000 a year, which is more than three times the average American salary. $175,000 a year is the average amount of money paid to a diversity administrator. At These are not private universities. These are public universities. What are we doing, America? I'll tell you what we're not doing. We're not paying attention. We're not, we're not paying attention and we're not saying, Jesus, what are we doing? It, it, and if, if nobody's paying attention, 
I'm telling you, one of the great jobs would be a diversity chief. And who, who are and what qualifies you to be a diversity chief? What qualifies you to be the diversity czar at a major university? The average salary is $175,000 a year for the diversity chief. Now, the average household income in America is $44,000 a year, so that's triple what the average household income. At the University of Tennessee and the University of Maine, there apparently is no official diversity officer or no senior-ranking position for overseeing that area. I wonder if that means there's an opening there. Maybe you want to send your resume there and say, look, uh, I'd, I'd be happy to hold the the position of diversity czar at your school, and I'll do it for the discounted rate of $200,000 a year because, as we all know, University of Virginia has one of these people, the chief officer of diversity and equity, earns $349,000 a year. And so $200,000 a year to be at the University of Tennessee or University of Maine, that's a bargain. You guys should hire me today. How about the University of Texas at Austin? UT Austin has a vice president for diversity and engagement. That guy pulls in $331,000 a year, and Texas is a state with no state income tax. Un-be-freaking-leavable. I'm just telling you, we are not paying attention. These are public universities. These are taxpayer dollars being shoved into a bonfire. Diversity. It, it should be the, the university's job to, to marshal uh, its attention into making sure that it is diverse and equitable. And you just wonder what these job descriptions are. You just have to wonder. But just when you think, just when you think uh, that, that it couldn't get dumber, it's getting dumber. And these Mercedes Maoists, these people who live in, in these university communities who are sheltered from the rest of the world and don't have a dose of reality anywhere in their lives, need a wake-up call. We need an absolute wake-up call. I got, I got to take a break. I, this just, I, I know I'm infuriated by this. The diversity head at a university making $349,000 a year. It's criminal. Mike Opelka on Pure Opelka. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Podcasts that make you think, what if? Amsterdam prickly seeded. It's a fall variety. This is Pure Pelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Pelka. I'd like to say an omnia paratus. I just want to put that out there. And I also want to remind you, relief is something you need to consider. If you are like me, if you have aches and pains in your joints that are caused by uh, inflammation, 
if you have, um, for, as I did with my knees and my hips from uh, running and, and doing marathons in my youth and all that training, all the half marathons you run and all the 10Ks, etc. It beats up your body and it causes inflammation. Well, the over-the-counter meds and the prescription meds might deal with the pain, but they don't deal with the inflammation. So I started taking an all-natural anti-inflammatory known as Relief Factor back in early April. Eight days after I started, I didn't need that handful of green gel caps I was taking virtually every day, eight per day on average. It got to be expensive too, and I also worried about my health. What was I putting in my system? So I switched to all-natural relief factor. Uh, thank you, Brad Staggs. And eight days into it, as I've said, the pain is substantially gone. And I'm playing more golf. I'm out walking the new dog. I, I'm, I'm working in the garden. I'm getting up and down from being on my knees digging in the garden. And I don't have, well, I don't have to worry when I get up in the morning that I'm going to feel like, oh, every step is going to be painful. So do what I did. Go to relieffactor.com. Check out relieffactor.com. Uh, or call them right now, 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384. Get the three-week quick start pack. It's pre-measured. It's fish oil and turmeric and spices that work to reduce the inflammation, and then the pain dissipates. I keep the packs in my computer bag so I can take them at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's so easy, and it works for me. Relief Factor. Check it out. Oh, boy. I wanted to end Friday with a bunch of uh, happy stories, but uh, some stories that are ticking me off, like the diversity czar story. I, the, the public university spending all that money, all your money, all my money. And I'll try and find one more really good one before we get out of here. But I have, I have another one. Do I go to the one from, we were talking about Donald Trump Jr. And now the fact, there is this uh, drip, 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 drip of, of news about who was in the meeting. So what are the Democrats doing today? Well, they have taken to the House floor to read Donald Trump's emails. Yes, this is what this is what your tax dollars are paying for in Washington, D.C. Ruben Gallega of uh, Arizona and Ted Lieu of California took turns standing up and reading out emails that, that the president's son released on Monday, criticizing him for agreeing to take the meeting, knowing that the lawyer was uh, interested in giving him dirt about Hillary Clinton. Yeah, we know that. And, and they also had blow-ups, gigantic blow-ups of Time magazine with Donald Trump Jr. on it and the words red-handed. So... Dana Rohrabacher, a Republican from California, asked a few times to join the discussion, but they wouldn't let him in. After they got off, Rohrabacher took the floor and said Democrats are using sinister-sounding descriptions of Trump Jr.'s contacts with Russia. That may be the case, but the Trumps need to come clean on this, or this is just going to be death by a thousand email paper cuts. There may be nothing there, but we need to know everything in order to know that it was nothing. We'll be right back. 
You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. It is, um, it, it's, gosh, I can't believe the show is flying by. It's, it's near the, the last half hours upon us. The day, the day was but a puppy when we started here at noon. And I wanted to get through so much. By the way, there is a vital question of the day posted on my Twitter account. And it's all about the people who got upset with President Trump telling Brigitte Macron that she's in good shape and that she's beautiful. And it, you know, not exactly presidential, but is it the end of the world, feminists, feminists who are all upset about it? Aren't there bigger things to be upset about? Seriously. But there it is. And most of you agree. Uh, You're not outraged by it. But there are a small group who are outraged and they want to be outraged about something almost every day. And they'll find something to be outraged about. So I try to find something not to be outraged about. Like there's good news tonight. Uh, I watch this show Live PD. If you haven't seen it, it's on A&E. Yes, the Arts and Entertainment Channel. The channel that when it first started used to show opera and ballet. I know, it's kind of ironic, isn't it? But it's a great show, and uh, if you haven't seen it, it's a, it's a live reality show that has cameras in at least six cities in cop cars, and they cover life. That's all I'm going to say. Last week, there was the remarkable scene that they captured live after a guy ran from police driving 95 miles an hour at some parts of, of the chase on these country roads. And he turned a corner and trying to evade and rolled the car. And as he got out, he was holding a small child like a human shield as he had a conflict with an officer. It was one of the more gripping, frightening things ever. And that officer, that officer from South Carolina managed to get the child away from him and into the safety. Thank God one of the camera crew went over and took the little child and wrestled the guy to the ground. But as we're watching this unfold live on TV, I think many of us were saying, oh, my God, dear God, save the kid, take care of the kid and make sure the officer's safe. It seemed to take forever for backup to get to him, about a minute and a half of struggling. And in that time, as we're watching this live on television, most of us, many of us saw that the perp, that's police talk, the perp reached into his left pants pocket when the cop was looking the other way and took out a bag of something and shoved it in his mouth. He was swallowing drugs. And the, the really interesting thing about this show is it's interactive. You can send him a hashtag message. And if you, if you look at the hashtag live PD from last Saturday night, you can see or was it Friday night? One of the nights you can see the thousands of people who are writing going, he took something out of his pocket and swallowed it. It's just amazing. It's a fascinating show. They've been renewed for a second season. And I don't know why they wouldn't be. It's, it's captivating. Even, even the simple traffic stops are captivating. 
but you get to see what, what the real men and women of law enforcement have to deal with in real time because it's, it's both frustrating and exhilarating. So uh, if, if you're so inclined, you might, and if, well, what I guess what I'm really saying is if you have no life and you're at home on Saturday nights and Friday nights, nine to midnight, it is, um, it's anything can happen night. Those of you who remember the old Disney television show, the Mickey Mouse Club, Wednesdays were anything can happen day. But on live PD, it's Friday nights and Saturday nights. Uh, now, in the in the teaser for the show, I mentioned we were going to um, we're going to talk about Cash for Clunkers being a total failure. We were worried about Cash for Clunkers. Do you remember it? It was the Obama administration basically saying if you had a car over a certain age, you weren't going to be allowed to drive it. You were going to have you were going to get paid for it, and we were going to junk them. The car dealers who you brought them to. We're going to get a government payout, and it was a healthy payout, and then they were supposed to wreck the engines and then scrap them. This would take a gigantic number of used cars off the market and would effectively drive the prices of used cars higher, which it did. But the Foundation for Economic Education says uh, they found that cash for clunkers was, quote, a failure even by Keynesian standards, close quote. Even the initial assessment was there was no long-term impact. That was wrong. There was impact, according to the, the economists who've looked at this, at least three economists who've done the, uh, the figuring out on this one. They said the impact was negative. Consumer spending on vehicles in the absence of the program would have been $4 billion higher than the actual spending. So cash for clunkers effectively penalized the economy by $4 billion. The, um, the, the results are being called the trifecta of Obamanomics. The, this is from, as I said, from Daniel Mitchell at the Foundation for Economic Education. The trifecta of Obamanomics. And what does he mean? Bad fiscal policy, bad economic policy, and ultimately, and this is the irony of all, this is the juxtaprogressive irony of all, bad environmental policy. So not only did we screw up the, uh, the economy with cash for clunkers, we screwed up the planet. Well done, progressives. Well done. Good for you. I can't I cannot believe it, right? I can't believe it, but there it is. Before I get out of here, I have um, a couple of a couple of stories from the strange news department that we have to get to. And then there may be an inspirational story that I want to close the show with, but I'm trying to verify it. Uh if you've seen my Twitter feed, uh yes, microaggressor uh Ernesto sent me that same story earlier. And I have a question about it. I'm, I'm double-checking to make sure it's legitimate. And I have actually uh, done some... I'm, I know I'm speaking in vagaries here, but it all will be revealed in the last break. But, uh, it, but I'll get to that after a little bit of weird news. First of all, there's got to be a special place in hell 
for people who cheat bake sales for a high school band trying to get to Disney World? You've got a high school band from Rancho Cotate in California. And if I mispronounce Cotate, it might be Cotate. Who knows? Rancho Cotate in uh, California. The high school marching band wants to go to Disney World. So what did they do? They did some good old American fundraising. They held a bake sale. A woman showed up and she wanted to buy $20 worth of goodies from the bake sale. It's probably a substantial amount of goodies from this high school bake sale. And uh, she gave him a $100 bill and got $80 in change and then took off. The $100 bill was counterfeit. So, guess what? The school ended up getting screwed out of 20 bucks because the police are going to confiscate the $100 bill. Let's hope the bake sale was successful enough to get them to California. But the, uh, the wonderful thing about the bake sale, it was held in an area where there were surveillance cameras. So, the police are now hot on the trail of the bakery bandit and her counterfeit cash. Now, this one, this one, I wonder uh, if do, do we put this under the area of you're not helping, mom, you're not helping. An Idaho woman was arrested after she stole the placenta and umbilical cord from the room where her daughter had just given birth. OK, um, that little statement just makes you think, wait, what? Rhiannon Stoneham thought her daughter had used drugs during her pregnancy. And apparently uh, she was worried that the doctors and police would uh, suspect this too and probably had her under observation for such. And so uh, she didn't want them to take the placenta and umbilical cord and test it because that would prove that there were drugs in the baby's system. Um... Ms. Stoneham, uh, that's a fail. You get a fail, Mom. Not a good idea. I know you would do anything to protect your daughter, but uh, maybe the tough love situation is going to be uh, <laughs> the best situation here. Stoneham was charged with felony destruction of evidence, and I'm guessing that means there were drugs found in the placenta, and the umbilical cord, and maybe mom and daughter and new baby will get to share a cell in Idaho in prison. At some point, a parent has to draw the line. And I understand mom was just trying to help out, but this is one of the best examples I've seen of not helping. Michael Pelka on Pure Old Pelka. We'll be back to wrap up today's show. On the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka, wrapping up uh, today and the show. But don't forget, tomorrow morning we will be here. Tomorrow morning we will be here. Uh, also, don't forget, 
you have an opportunity right now to do something smart for your family. If you're like me, you're looking for life insurance, which I am in the process right now, trying to get a really good policy at a great rate from a major carrier. Well, thank God we have a new sponsor that's involved in that process. I'm talking about healthiq.com slash blaze, healthiq.com slash blaze. Health IQ uses science and data to get lower rates on life insurance for health conscious people like you, like me, cyclists, runners, strength trainers. If you're just healthy, if you eat better, your consciousness to your health can make a difference in the rate you get from an insurance company. I'm looking for a gigantic policy just so everybody will be comfortable at a great rate. And I, I got the free quote. You should do the same thing. Uh, go to healthiq.com slash blaze, take the quiz, and then sign up and they'll call you. And you have a short call with them. And then if, if you qualify and you like the rates, then they set you up for that mini physical. It's so easy and it makes so much sense. And it should have been done years ago, but the people from Health IQ figured it out. They're the ones who said to these insurance companies, science and data should dictate the rates of life insurance. And the insurance companies didn't buy it initially. And then after years of showing them the data, they got it done. They've helped thousands of people. I hope they helped me. I'm almost over the finish line. I'll tell you next week. But if you want to find out, get a free quote for yourself. Check it out. HealthIQ.com slash blaze. HealthIQ.com slash blaze. Get your free quote today. Before we get out of here today, I, I was looking for something, uh, a, an inspirational story. And in, in our area here, just outside of Philadelphia, we're in Delaware, you know, pretty close. Um, there was the horrible story of the four young men whose lives were taken in a drug deal and cut short by another young man, the dealer. It's just a, a terrible situation. These families are now bereft, and, and they have to deal with it and go forward. And there are, no, there are no answers for them. You can just send comfort and prayers. And then there is something you may be able to do to help an Army veteran who's in the last stages of his life the story is on ArizonaCentral.com. I'll tweet out a link to it. And I got a note from Ernesto, our buddy at Nerdnesto, about an Army vet named Lee Hernandez. He's in hospice care in New Bravos, Texas. He's not well. He's 47 years old, and doctors don't know why his body is doing this. They haven't pinpointed the cause for his illness. And as he was kind of in the last few stages of his life, he said, I, I really feel like I'm all alone. And he, he told his wife, I guess nobody wants to talk to me. So the Internet responded. And the Arizona Veterans Forum posted his last wish on Facebook. He started getting an influx of calls. And while nothing's really going to save Lee's life, this is going to help him on his final final few hours here, his final few days. I'll post a link to the article. I couldn't get through on the voicemail because so many have responded and tried to send messages. His wife is playing them for him. And uh, the ideal time is between 2 and 6 p.m. Arizona time, so we are within that window. That's when Lee is alert 
despite his heavy pain medication. As I said, I'll tweet out a link to it. Read the story. You want to send him a text message. You want to try and send him a voice message. I think that would be a nice thing. I think it's the least we can do for somebody who served this country. Too young to die at 47 years old. Lee Hernandez, we thank you for your service. We pray and we send you our support, not just for you, but for your family. Join me tomorrow morning. I'll be here at 6 a.m. live on the Blaze Radio Network. Testudo, my friends. Testudo. Opelka. With Michael Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.